0: Hi, welcome to New City Online. I'm Ron. And I'm Melissa. And we're so excited you're joining us for the service today. Whether you're at home with your family or listening on the way to work or grabbing a few minutes with a coffee in your phone, we're glad you're joining us. We also know that doing church online can be an isolating experience, but we don't want it to be that way. We would love to know you're joining us and have a chance to pray for you. If you have a prayer request, you can let us know at newcity.us prayer. Yeah. And here at New City, one of our values is community is our design. That means we prioritize discipleship and biblical community. And we do that in groups. New City groups are where we connect. We pray for each other. We open the scriptures. Essentially groups are where we do life together. If you're not in a group, no matter where you are, we want to help you find a place online or in person where you can grow in biblical community. Visit newcity.us slash groups to learn more and to let us know you're interested in being part of a New City group. That's right, and community is a big way God uses others to push us closer to Him and worship. Another way we worship as followers of Jesus is through our giving. Jesus talks about money a lot in the Bible, and the main reason is because money is tied to our hearts. We spend money on things we're passionate about. We spend money on things we believe in. We spend money on things that have value to us. And if you're a follower of Jesus, God tells us to give our money back to Him, not because He needs it, but because it reminds our hearts that He is most important. If you call New City your home and would like to give today, you can do so at newcity.us. Now let's continue to worship together.
1: team. your presence. And I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. I never Just gone through the motions I'm sorry when I just say another song, take me back to where we start, and I open up my heart to you here I am, and I'm sorry, and I'm sorry when I've come And I forgot that you're enough Hold take me back to where we start And I open up my heart I just want you, and nothing else, oh, nothing else, nothing else will do, I just want, and nothing else, oh, nothing else, Jesus, nothing else. our desire onto you. Give us our heart's desire and let us just pursue you, God. We don't want money. We don't want fame. We don't want glory. We give everything to you, Lord. You are our pursuit. You are our passion. We love you, God. Fix everybody's eyes. Everybody that can hear my voice, fix our eyes onto you, Lord, and let us stay there. Locked in on you. Let us have tunnel vision for you, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen.
0: Today you'll hear a sermon from Pastor Chris on the parable of the hidden treasure. This is personally one of my favorite parables in all of the Bible because it reminds me of what should be a central part of following Jesus, joy. Now here's Chris with the next sermon in Stories Jesus Told.
1: This is a story Jesus told. It comes from Matthew chapter 13 verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field.
2: Never underestimate small faith in the hands of a big God. That has been our bottom line truth these last couple weeks in our series, The Stories That Jesus Told you know, small acts of faith when they're placed in a, in a big God can make a big difference in our lives. I wonder what maybe a small act of faith or trust in God uh, could look like for you. Could, could I just suggest one? Um, I heard this from Rick Warren, who wrote the book, The Purpose Driven Life. He talked about God's word, his word being the first word and his word being the last word. I love this Uh, He talked about uh, getting a Bible um, and putting it by your bed on your nightstand, uh, somewhere near your bed, and keeping it open because an open Bible is harder to ignore uh, than a closed Bible. So opening up the Bible to a passage of scripture, whatever that might be for you. And at the end of the day, before you put your head on the pillow at night, letting God's word, his word, be the last word in your head and your your heart, letting God have the last word. And same thing in the morning, first word, that before you put your feet on the ground, before you check your phone, I'm guilty of that, uh, read the news, um, begin your day and get into all the the chaos and and expectations of of your life and your world, that you would let God's word be the first word Uh, of your day. So his word, first word, his word, last word. And you say, well, how much do I read? You know, do I read a chapter? Do I read? It's really not about how much you read. It's about reading until you're challenged, you know, by his word or you're comforted. You know, God's word revives weary hearts. And maybe you have a weary heart today. Uh, Maybe you're feeling fearful or anxious or frustrated or disappointed. And I just wanna challenge you, again, this small act of, of faith and trust in God that you would let his word, let God's word be the first word of your day and let his word be the last word. Let God have the first word and the last word of your day and take that small act of faith and place it into his big hands and, and just trust him to, to grow your faith and to meet you in that place and to revive your heart. We're gonna jump into God's word again today and to our series, The Stories Jesus Told. But before we do, let's pray together. God, thank you so much for each and every person that's um, a part of our series today. Thank you for, for the ways that we can connect with one another and I pray that right where they are, every single person today, God, they would hear your word. May that be the first word and the last word. We recognize today, Jesus, that you are the Alpha and the Omega. You're the first and the last. And so we give you that place in our hearts today as well. Would you speak to us? Would you revive our weary hearts? Would you, would you help us to hear from you today, God? And we give you the thanks and the praise for it. Amen. So what's a parable? What's a parable? We've been in this series on parables, these stories that Jesus told. What, what is a parable? Well, we get our English word parable from the Greek word parabole. And the Greek word parabole literally means to, to cast alongside of. It's also where we get our word parallel from. So uh, parables are these, these stories that Jesus told that, that come into our life, and they parallel our reality in our lives. Uh, maybe you can think about it this way. Uh, parables are Jesus' parallel parking beside your life. Uh, he's coming right alongside of you with his truth to meet you in your reality. And what he's doing is he's intersecting your reality so that He, you can see more of his reality and you can begin to align your life and your heart with with his truth and his reality. Parables are an invitation. They're really an invitation. You know, uh, many of us have gotten like a wedding invitation in the mail or we've gotten an email or a text or whatever, and those are great. But imagine if someone like showed up to your house and they said, hey, I, I, I really want to let you know about this party that's going on and I want you to be there. And I came here in person to invite you to come and to be a part of it. You know, we believe as Christians that, that God himself, that the word became flesh it, and he moved into our neighborhoods. You know, Jesus took on flesh, he, he moved into our lives, he, he paralleled park beside us to explain himself to us, to, to reveal himself to us, and ultimately, ultimately, watch this, to invite us into relationship with him and to know his reality and the kingdom. And that's what parables are. So we've been studying these stories that Jesus told in the Gospel of Matthew, and we're gonna continue today. So open your scriptures if you have a copy of them to Matthew chapter 13. And we're talking today about the parable of hidden treasure. And let me just give a little bit of context for what's going on in this chapter, Matthew 13, because there's a lot of parables, there's a lot of stories just in this chapter. And several of those stories are what we call micro parables, these these short one to two sentence stories that Jesus told. And he's telling them about the kingdom of heaven. And you say, well, why is he spending so much time talking about the kingdom of heaven? Well, the reason why Jesus parallels uh, stories about the kingdom of heaven is because people in his audience had huge expectations of what the kingdom of heaven was going to really be like. And so Jesus in these little micro parables all throughout Matthew 13 and these stories he told, he's saying that the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, maybe go through your Bible and just underline how many times Jesus starts a story that way. Our parable today starts that way. He's trying to explain to them and reveal to them and invite them into an understanding of what God's kingdom is really like. And we we ultimately come to know God's kingdom, what, what it's really like by knowing Jesus. And so that's what he's inviting all of his audience into. But what kept people from meeting Jesus over and over again in the scriptures is their expectations of what Jesus was going to be like what the kingdom was going to be like, Uh, what would happen when the Messiah, when Jesus came. And for many in his audience, they thought, well, the Romans, of course, are going to be kicked out, and he's going to reestablish his throne, the throne of David in Jerusalem, and we're going to get back into power and all these different expectations that they had of God. You ever have expectations of God? Oh, man, I have expectations of God. And oftentimes, my expectations of God keep me from God. And I know that might sound weird, but sometimes what we expect of God, what we expect him to be like, what we expect him to do, how we expect him to answer our prayers, and the timing that we expect things to be answered and done, when those things aren't met, it actually begins to, uh, to keep me from God and I start to push away from him. And I, I start to think, well, maybe, you know, maybe I really don't understand God. Maybe God's really not going to come through. And so I need to start trusting in other people or in other things. And my heart begins to harden to the things of God. And that was for sure the, the reality of the people that Jesus was preaching to. And maybe it's our reality too, that we have these expectations. And when they're not met, they start to keep us from God and our hearts begin to harden. So at the beginning of this chapter, in chapter 13, Jesus tells another story. Uh, about uh, p- the parable of the sower. It's these seeds that the sower is sowing into a field. And he says there's all kinds of soil that the uh, that are in that field. There's rocky soil and there's thorny soil and there's worn path. And really only one soil is good soil, where the where the seed, the the, the truth of who God is, takes takes root. So think about it this way: that 75% of the soil that the seeds were being sown into rejected it. They, they were so hardened. And that's true maybe of our own hearts, that when it comes to God's truth, you know, whether he's telling us a story, he's paralleling our lives, Jesus is moving into our life and our neighborhood to explain himself, to reveal himself, to invite us, and our hearts are hardened. And why are they hardened many times? Because we had an expectation. And I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I don't know I have an expectation of God or other people or even of myself until it's not met. Are you with me on that? And when the expectation isn't met, it's like, oh, turns out I had a huge expectation. Turns out Jesus's audience had a huge expectation of who he was supposed to be, what he was meant to do, and their hearts were hardened. So, so back to the parable, how, how, do, how, do, how does soil get loosened up and softened to receive seed? And in the metaphor to receive God's truth, how do our hearts get softened to receive the reality of who Jesus really is? What the kingdom is really like, how, how does that happen? Storms. Soil is loosened up and softened by rain, by wind, by being battered. And, and, and I think you would agree with me that, boy, we are in a storm. And the wind and the rain just keep, seem to it seem to keep coming from every different direction, storm after storm after storm. And if I'm not careful, I can, I can put my attention on the storm itself, on the rain, on the wind, on the circumstances. But maybe, maybe part of what's happening through the storms, the brokenness of our reality, it's, is it's reminding me of God's reality. That my circumstance and the storm is not all there is. And maybe, just maybe, God is using the rain to soften my heart, to make it more receptive to his truth. Maybe part of what God's doing in his world right now is softening our hearts from from our reality and our expectations and the value that we've placed on our lives and what we value to valuing his life and his kingdom and his reality and being open to that. I wonder if that's true in your life. I think that's certainly true in the parable we're gonna look at today about a hidden treasure in Matthew 13. The parable is really all about value, And and what we value most, what we're putting our trust in, about our expectations, and how we see the kingdom of heaven, how we really see Jesus. And, And here's kind of the bottom line for the whole parable today, is that the happiness of your world cannot compare with the joy of God's kingdom. The happiness of my world, my expectations can never compare with the value and the joy of God's world, of his kingdom, of what he wants for each and every one of us. This is the parable of the hidden treasure. And it's found in Matthew 13, verse 44. And here's the good news, guys. There's one verse. It's a little micro story, a little micro parable. It's one voice, verse, two sentences. Let me read it to you. The parable of the hidden treasure. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven. So he starts again. it's gonna explain what the kingdom of heaven. Here's, here's the reality. I I wanna tell you what I'm like and what my kingdom is like. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and he covered it up. Then in his joy, he goes and he sells all that he has and he buys that field, the kingdom or the parable of the hidden treasure. What is this story all about? What's Jesus trying to say to our hearts about the value of his kingdom? Well, let's walk through a couple of the phrases here, starting with treasure being hidden like hidden treasure. And to us now in the 21st century, we're like, hidden treasure? Like, you mean like a treasure hunt? It just seems weird. Like, we'll read stories every now and then about an expedition or them finding treasure somewhere, but it's pretty rare. And you probably don't have treasure hidden in your backyard. But in first century Palestine, where this story is taking place in Matthew 13, 44, it's a pretty common thing because there weren't banks, You know, there wasn't Bank of America or Wells Fargo or any of the other places that we bank. There weren't safe deposit boxes. There weren't safes. You didn't take your treasure or your money or whatever you valued and put it locked away somewhere for someone to guard. So what would you do? You'd bury it. And oftentimes people would bury it and on their land. And in first century Palestine, that land in Palestine was swapped back and forth and back and forth between nations, between people, often quickly. And so a lot of times in people's haste, they would take what they couldn't carry with them and they would bury it in their field. So people would stumble upon hidden treasures and bury treasures often. And Jesus is telling this story because the hidden treasure is, is like the kingdom, He's explaining the the value of his reality and his kingdom. Now, here's the deal. God's kingdom is oftentimes hidden, not because it doesn't want to be found. Uh, The treasure of the kingdom, the reality of who Jesus is, wants to be found. He wants to be found so much that he came and knocked on our door. That's how much he wants to be found. But the treasure is often hidden in our circumstances. The treasure of the kingdom is often hidden in our pace of life. The treasure of the kingdom is often hidden in our expectations. And so, you know, we've been, we've been talking about these parables, these stories Jesus told, and we've said that the parables did two things. They revealed truth, but they also concealed truth in plain sight. And the reason was because people had these expectations. And so they just thought, well, it can't be this simple. It can't be this true. It can't, it can't be like Jesus is describing it because it doesn't meet my expectations. The treasure that's hidden here that the man finds, it wants to be found. The kingdom wants to be found so much that God sent his only son to reveal himself, to explain himself, to invite us to be in relationship with him. But we've got to stop to see it. We've got to we've got to seek so that we can find, as the scriptures say. We've got to slow down so we can see the things of the kingdom and not miss them with our our pace of life and our expectations and the cares of this world. The kingdom of heaven is is like a hidden treasure. The king it, the, Jesus says, and it's 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 a treasure that he that a man finds in a field. Right, it's in a field which it, which a man finds, and he what does he do when he finds it? He, he, he covers it up. Now, just to say, uh, he doesn't cover it up c- just because he doesn't want to share it with anybody else. He covers it, why? So he doesn't lose it. So he's able to keep the value of what he's found. And in this parable, the, the, the metaphor that Jesus is using, the, the field is the world, and the treasure is the gospel. It's the truth of the reality of who Jesus is and what he's done and this invitation to, to know and to enjoy his kingdom. So the man finds it and he covers it up, not to keep it a secret from everybody else, but so that he can possess it, so that he can come back and make it his own, so that he doesn't lose it. You know, what's interesting too, parenthetically, is this may have been a treasure that someone in his very family covered up. I mean, it's in the realm of possibility that this was something he had heard about. And in the field that he was walking to, maybe as a day laborer, he knew that there was something in there and he finds it one day, he stumbles upon it. Maybe he had heard about it. Maybe he knew that it had been covered up. Maybe he had covered it up years before. And as we think about that, maybe the kingdom and who Jesus is has been covered in your own heart by the cares of this world, the things that we value in our life, And we've covered it up, maybe even with our own expectations. And so maybe for you, this parable is about rediscovering and and uncovering again this truth of who Jesus is and the value of who he is. Our dog, his name is Doug. Whenever we feed Doug from the table, it's so funny. I don't know what's going on in his head, but he will take that scrap of food and immediately once he has it, he runs into the other room so he can enjoy it. And it's like, I would love for him to be able to tell me why he does that, but I think it's like, I wanna make sure you're not gonna change your mind. I wanna make sure that I can really enjoy this. The man, when he finds it, he covers it up so that he doesn't lose it and so that he can fully enjoy it for what it is. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus taught, is like a treasure that's hidden in a field. A man finds it and he covers it up. And then, here's the rest of it, in his joy, he goes and he does what? He sells all that he has, and he buys that field now. Something is worth, think about this, something is worth what someone will pay for it. Something is worth what someone will pay for it. If you went to a yard sale and you bought a painting and it was two dollars, and then you found out that actually it was was an amazing masterpiece that was worth millions of dollars in the marketplace. How much was that painting really worth? Was it worth $2 or was it worth millions of dollars? It was worth millions of dollars. Someone had undervalued it, but something is worth what someone will pay for it. So if someone will pay millions of dollars, guess how much it was worth? It was worth millions. Think about that in terms of the gospel, about Jesus, about what he's done for you, about what he's done for me. And think about our value in God's eyes, how he sees us, the price that he was willing to pay to know you to know me, to invite us into relationship with with him, to explain himself to us, because we were of such value to him. You know, there's two examples in the scriptures that I think really mark uh, the outflow, like the understanding of this parable about the hidden treasure. The first is the rich young ruler, which is found a couple of chapters later here in chapter 19. The rich young ruler, he comes to Jesus and he says, "I want to, you know, I want to follow you, Jesus. I I, I, I want to be one of your disciples." And Jesus says, awesome, Uh, here's the one thing you need to do. Just go sell everything you have and and come and follow me. And the scripture says here in Matthew 19 that he goes away sad. Why? He's face to face with Jesus, the kingdom of God, the reality of God, inviting him to follow him and, and value the kingdom. And he can't let go of what he values. You know, sometimes, I mean, I find myself relating to that so much. Do you? where man I I I want to know Jesus I want to follow Jesus but I still want to hold on to other things too that I value It's sort of like a a portfolio of faith if you will Think about it this way you think about like your finances and what what a financial planners say like many of you are in the financial sector well you got to diversify your assets right so that if something happens you know you're you're okay in a different place right so you you want to you want to spread out the risk well, think about that in terms of faith or trust in Jesus and the kingdom and who he really is and, and valuing him. Well, I wanna I wanna spread that out. Because I'm, I'm not quite sure. I want to believe in Jesus, but I also want to hedge my, kind of hedge my bets because I still may, might believe that there's value in, in, in my little kingdom too and what I, what I value in my life, whether that's possessions or maybe I put a little bit on, uh, on my family. I put 25% there. I put some in my church. I put some in my good works. I put some in my business and my bank account, the government, or whatever it might be for you. you just we kind of spread out our trust. And, and I'm gonna put some on Jesus too. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Your, the happiness of your kingdom can never compare to the value of God's kingdom. And it's a call to go all in. So here's the second example. The first is the antithesis of this, this man that finds the hidden treasure and covers it up and then sells everything he has to, to come and possess it and to make it his own. The antithesis of that is the rich young ruler. But, but the person that really follows this that understands the treasure of the hidden, uh, the, um, the parable of the hidden treasure is the Apostle Paul. You know, when he writes, Paul writes like half of the New Testament, and a lot of them are letters to churches that he helped to start. And one of them is to the church at Philippi, and he's writing it from a Roman prison where he's been for three plus years and he's awaiting certain execution. And you know what the theme of the book of Philippians is? It's joy. 15 different times the word joy or rejoice is found in the book of Philippians. Paul's heart is full of joy, why? Because he's found the value of the kingdom. He understands the hidden treasure that is Jesus, and he's given everything to follow Jesus. So even in his circumstances, he's learned the secret of being content in all circumstances, and it's Jesus, and finding value in God's kingdom and not my kingdom. Joy was the motivation of the man who found the hidden treasure, sold everything that he had, and came and bought that field. It was joy. If you go look at verse 44, the word that is just in lights in this parable, in this short little micro parable, the word that that sticks out above every other word in verse 44 is the word joy. That was his motivation. In one word, this parable could be described. The parable of the hidden treasure is Joy this hidden treasure joy that motivates me to, to stop valuing things in my kingdom and start valuing everything in God's kingdom. Joy was this man's motivation. What would it look like? Just think about it for just a moment. What would it look like for us to be motivated by joy? To stop being motivated by fear or regret or animosity or reprisal or disappointment, or confusion, all these things, the emotions that we experience as humans, we experience them. But what would it look like if we didn't allow those things to motivate us? If those weren't the real thing in our hearts that that were driving us, our words, our actions, but instead it was joy. When joy is our motivation, when joy is our motivation because we found Jesus, we look ahead to what God's going to do. We're able to frame up our past and name it, but not live there. And we're able to look to the future, and even though it's uncertain, we know God's gonna be there, so we're not fearful. Think about, again, Paul writing the book of Philippians from prison, awaiting certain execution, and his heart is full of joy. Plenty of opportunities, I think, in that prison cell in Rome to look back with regret or look forward with fear, and yet what motivates him is joy. This hidden treasure, joy, is, is what's in his heart. Someone taught me this about joy and, and I've never forgotten and I wanna teach you and I hope you'll never forget. That joy, that word joy, just maybe write it out on a piece of paper wherever you are, type it on your phone, joy. When you look at that word joy, it's, it's really when there's nothing, when there's zero between Jesus and you. When there's nothing, when there's zero between Jesus and you and that's joy. There's no expectations, there's no fear, there's no regret, there's nothing between us. And when I can see Jesus for who he really is, I see the value of the kingdom. And that hidden treasure joy, when there's nothing between us, no expectations, there's two applications of that that we see from the man that finds the hidden treasure and his heart is filled with this kind of joy. The first is, What mattered to me or what mattered to him matters less and less. Look at the passage. He sells everything he has. It matters less and less. Stuff that he had spent so much time accumulating, paid really good money for and worked hard for, it doesn't matter anymore. When I see Jesus for who he really is, what mattered to me matters less and less. I sell everything I have. But here's the second application. What matters to God, his value, what God says, his word, it matters more and more. He goes and buys the field. What mattered to me matters less and less. I sell what I have. What matters to God, what he values, his truth, his word matters more and more. I believe him, I take him at his word. I buy the field because I wanna experience the kingdom. Here's how Paul said it in Philippians 3, verse eight. This this letter of joy that he wrote to the church. Maybe just hear this to your heart today. Uh, Paul wrote it this way about the hidden treasure, this joy. He said, everything else, Everything, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Jesus, Philippians 3.8. Everything else is worthless. Its value is is gone when compared to the value of knowing Jesus. When my, When God's truth parallels my reality, I give up what I value in my reality and I grab hold of God's reality and his truth and his value because I see it for what it really is. Did Paul have it right? Was he right that everything else is worthless compared to knowing Jesus? That when I see the kingdom, when there's nothing between me and Jesus, that I really see the value for who Jesus is and I'm able to give up what I used to value? Did the man have it right to sell his field and uh, to sell everything he has and go buy that field and go all in on the kingdom? What do we value? Who do we wanna be in this story? Are we the rich young ruler that we just can't give up our portfolio of faith? Or are we the man that found the hidden treasure? Are we the apostle Paul that says, you know what, now that I see Jesus and there's nothing between us, I see the value of the kingdom. Jesus' parable of the hidden treasure is really this, that the happiness of your world, bottom line, cannot compare with the joy of God's kingdom. The happiness of our world our, the things that we value in this world, our expectations, they can't compare with the joy, the true joy of knowing Jesus and knowing his kingdom. To him alone be the glory today. Would you pray with me wherever you might be? Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for parallel parking beside us with your truth, for meeting us, for coming to us. Forgive us for the ways that we, we kind of portfolio our faith and our trust and, and we hedge our bets and we just don't trust you. Would you soften our hearts, even through the storms? Would you soften our hearts so that we can receive your truth and that we can really see you, Jesus, in your kingdom for what it is and the value that it has, that nothing can compare with knowing you, Jesus? I pray for each and every one of my friends today that you would give them the wisdom to know what you've spoken to them through your word, and would you give them now the faith, the faith and the trust to take you at your word and go live it out. In Jesus' name, amen. And I just
1: want you in nothing else, in nothing else, in nothing else, will do. I just want you in nothing else, oh, nothing else, in nothing else.
0: Thanks for worshiping with us today new city family if you would wherever you are extend your hands for benediction as we go may the lord bless you and keep you make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you turn his countenance to you and give you peace have a great week new city